So, like, you never played uh, the Metal Gear series at all, but there's so many moments in it that I love, like when one of the games introduces this spooky, levitating, immortal Romanian guy who crawls around on walls named Vamp. And then, uh, just to clarify, in a conversation, one of the characters says that he's called Vamp not for being a vampire, but for being bisexual. <laughs> Word. Very Anne Rice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that whole series is, uh, is a very, uh, very purple flag, but... <laughs> Yeah, just 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 bait and switch queerness. You thought he was a vampire, he's just one of them bisexuals. Um are, are you talking about uh the Anne Rice vampire series or are you talking about Call of Duty or um, about uh Metal Gear? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and also never ever <laughs> confuse Metal Gear Solid for Call of Duty. That is a grave insult. Uh, they both involve somebody doing things in lands. <laughs> yeah, but but one is a is a uh, uh, an arcing uh, anti-war drama, and the other is an arcing pro-war drama. Yeah, it's the thing that uh, the military recruiters would come into my class and say, "Hey, kids, you like Call of Duty? <laughs> then you should consider enlisting in the United States Marines." Yeah. It's exactly the same, except you get to play with white phosphorus. It rules. Not afraid of the dark? You don't know Jack. Look out for the new Halloween Horror Nights 10, only at Universal Studios. Florida residents save $10 with a specially marked 2-liter Coca-Cola Classic label or coupon from a participating Taco Bell. So, my name is Ness. David. And we are back with Halloween Horror Nights Memories Part 2. Yes. Part Dux. Part DX. Part D. So, yeah, last week uh, we rambled on about uh, something or other. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't really remember what we were talking about last week. Nope. Um I think we did we leave off on Bill and Ted? Yeah, that's the last thing I remember. So um uh just to get us going, uh let's talk about some of our favorite characters, be they mascots for the event or uh sub characters who have just kind of just kind of stuck in your head space. Yeah. Um I think I might have alluded to this last week, but I think that my favorite of the, you know, just starting from the top with the mascots uh, would probably be the storyteller. And what about her appeals to you? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, why is she interesting? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Really, really bringing a lot to the table. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> Say the line, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, she's 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 fine in the sense that you know, creepy old ladies are fine. 
but uh, I I feel like she's probably the uh, the least interesting. Hmm. Has the has the has the least to do certainly. Yeah. Well, maybe it's that. I think what I like about her is that she, um, there's less story that comes with her, but she acts as a fra- kind of a framing device for a lot of different stories. Yeah. And she was also uh, a character who came about by accident since originally the icon for that year was supposed to be the Terra Queen. Yeah. Well, I mean, we still got that. Yeah, but she was going to be, like, the character until some fucking marketing ghoul decided that she wasn't scary enough. So let's bring on this, like, 90-year-old southern bitch. Very scary. Yeah. uh, old, Old southerners can be quite frightening. Yeah, <laughs> so this ma- is true. So, so maybe the marketing ghoul was onto something, but yeah, that's why she doesn't really mesh much with the rest of the event that year, as well as her um, position as just a framing device and not an active participant in the world that they created. Yeah. Um, in order for the uh, well, I think the the event as it as it was as it was as it ultimately became. I think it worked pretty well with that um, storyteller framing device because it was kind of, you know, there, there wasn't really a whole lot of coherence between all of the houses. There wasn't really like a strong theme that tied them all together, which if there if we were relying on the Terra Queen, I feel like that would have been to needed to have been a much stronger element of the entire event. Uh, well, I think that's what they originally intended, but her role was greatly reduced to make way for the storyteller. Well, so did, that, did, did that change any of the houses, though? No, but um, the, the, the Terror Queen's presence would have been more prominent. She would have had more to do other than just being like the character in the, uh, the show near the entryway. Yeah, because... Ultimately, she became one of the characters that the storyteller was telling about, right? Correct. Yeah. So she went from being the dominant figure of that year to a character that was contextualized through the other character. Because, I mean... Are are you just trying to do Hegelians? No. Uh, Just trying to, you know, kind of explain the... How this... How that year worked out. Because... Oh, yeah. uh, I was going to say because... When I showed up for that year, when I the first time that I attended that year, I can't remember. I think I went maybe twice that year. Um, it was still relatively early on. But I think the first time that I showed up, I was like, okay, the storyteller, I get, I get that. I get the bit. You know, I, I understand what this character is going for. The Terra Queen, I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is. She's a queen of this land of, uh, of uh, blood sacrifice. Yeah. I what mean, more do you need to know? What to know that she's a queen of a land of blood sacrifice? I was just like, who's this person on the stilts? Like, what? What's what's what? What's her deal? What's what's going on here? It wasn't. It wasn't well spelled out. What's the Terra Queen's deal? Blood sacrifice. She had she had a whole stage show about it. Super into it. Okay. I'm. I i do not know. Uh, yeah, I just based on my recollections, I just don't remember uh, that story being particularly well spelled out. Mm. That's why um, 
the Terra Queen doesn't really, I, I like I remember the character, but she doesn't really stick out particularly well in my recollections of Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, and even when they do the uh, anniversary event, she's kind of forgotten. Like no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't think she really gets uh, invited to be uh, present with any of the other mascots in the way that like the director or the caretaker are. Yeah, sometimes they'll put like she's her she's motorcycle much... on display, but I don't think she ever shows up in the like blank years of fear. No, yeah, yeah. She's definitely needs. she's definitely a second stringer. In the same way, she's in the same league as like, uh, uh, fear from year twenty. Yeah, no or, one gives a, no one gives a shit about that guy. Or um, what even was the name of the character from year twenty one? The the Lady the, Luck. Lady Luck. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I remember Lady Luck a lot more than uh, I remember Fear. I'll tell you that much for free. Well, that's I kind of this kind of the the a similar situation with the Terra queen. It's like they were building fear up to be this big character, but they never really delved into anything about fear. It's like, we, we get that he's, uh, or we get that he's an impersonation of fear as a concept, but what, what, what about it? Yeah. That's probably because fear was also another, uh, last minute edition. He was not, originally intended to be the icon for that year okay so yeah that 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 makes a lot more sense yeah it was originally going to be cindy okay that actually makes a lot of sense because cindy had that promo you know material yeah that they project onto the walls while people are waiting in line okay that was from the original treatment for that year's storyline yeah and there's going to be something about like a halloween tree right yeah the halloween tree and she, you know, kind of burning burns. effigies of all the former characters to signal in like a new age. Yeah, the of new darkness. era. Yeah. Man, they keep doing Cindy dirty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked about Eddie getting done dirty, but she got it far worse, if I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we said that Eddie's first uh, official appearance was in 2006, but that was actually incorrect. He originally appeared in 2004 as part of the horror nights nightmares haunted house where you right, had right. a whole segment devoted to him yeah and cindy did uh cindy didn't even get yeah, that cindy didn't get that she i think she, she made she, her first appearance in 2006 because the caretaker's whole bit was that he was trying to resurrect her yeah his bit that year or his whole bit uh it ended up becoming his whole bit okay yeah because that wasn't originally his bit no yeah, he was originally trying to find the like the physiological location of the soul in the body or something. Yeah, he was also a last-minute character. I mean, he, he kind of worked, though. Yeah, in 2002, originally... It didn't really scan why he was, you know, why is he a caretaker? Like, why, you know, what, what does that title have to do with his, uh, his, his, uh, whole, his whole shtick? Well, he was the caretaker of the nearby cemetery. Okay... And he was also the uh, the local mortician. Okay, so yeah, that's that's why he that's why he dresses uh, in you know the black suit and the tall hat. He's like a mortician from an old. He, yeah, he's he, like he's like Victorian era. Yeah, he's he's the mortician who uh, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge meets in the uh, 1956 uh, Christmas Carol. Yeah, the Alistair Sim version. Yeah, yeah. You don't let the moss grow under you, do you? Ours is a very competitive profession, sir. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, originally uh, the mascot for that year was going to be Cindy as the daughter of, like, 
this deranged mortician cult leader. But then there was a spate of child abductions in the Central Florida area. And not wanting to appear insensitive, uh, Universal Creative uh, scrapped that character and decided to just promote the father to uh, uh, first string position. Hmm. So yeah, she was originally going to be the focal point, and then she was cut out and then retroactively added back into the lore for that character. Yeah. Well, she's a, I don't know, cool character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like Cindy. Uh, she has made she's made a few appearances. Uh, one year I forget which. Um, uh, had a haunted house called the Orphanage, where yeah. she was the uh the focal character of that haunted house. Yeah, was that might have been two thousand six, maybe? No, it was well after that. Well after that, okay. Yeah. No, I was I was thinking of the school, which I believe was two thousand six. Possibly. I don't think so, though. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, in, two, in 2006, uh, all the haunted houses were revivals of concepts that they'd done in the past, like Scream House, Dungeon of Terror, People Under the Stairs, etc. Yeah. Yeah, the school was a new concept that they introduced, I want to say, in, like, year 21. Mm. What, what was that, 2011? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's around the time when uh, either the school or the orphanage came about. In any case, though, uh, yeah, Cindy's chronology is confusing because sometimes she's the caretaker's daughter, sometimes she's not. Kind of like how Eddie is sometimes Jack's brother, sometimes he's not. Oh, I thought that we had just kind of agreed on that both were those, both did occupy those roles for the purpose of, you know, the broader story. Yeah, uh, Eddie and Jack are brothers more often than they're not, but Cindy is more vague. It seems like they don't have a clear idea of what they want to do with this character, so they just kind of insert her places. Well, I mean, it is hard to imagine anybody fucking the caretaker. <laughs> Someone's into that. I guess. I, I've, I've seen the uh, Halloween Horror Nights uh, role-playing uh, blogs on Tumblr. I did not know that that was a thing. I was happier not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, the characters in uh, order of fuckability. Um, I don't know if it's surprising or the least surprising that uh, the director is at the top. Oh yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, he's uh he is most fuckable. Yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah, and then it is Chance. You know, big titty clown girl. Did did you write this list? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, no, this is uh my uh my interpretation based on who there are more arguments over who is the designated role player. Okay. <laughs> then, uh, then it's Jack. Okay. Then it's the storyteller. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't like that. Nope, don't like that. <laughs> yeah. I think the storyteller and uh, the caretaker are roughly tied. Yeah. Where's the usher land? Uh, he's next. Okay. The uh, the ambiguously gay one. Yeah. Where's the Terra Queen land? <laughs> no one remembers the Terra Queen. <laughs> yeah. Well, more to my point from earlier. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Then I think Eddie is pretty much at the bottom. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the the, the big muscle man is the least fuckable, it turns out. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess there's no accounting for Tumblr, so. Yeah, and to their credit, Cindy's not on the list. 
Yeah, I was kind of worried about that when you started listing this out. <laughs> no, yeah. To to their credit, uh, they 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 uh, they're they're not into that. Congratulations, Tumblr. You cleared the lowest bar. <laughs> Still want to fuck a ninety year old woman though. Yeah. The lowest bar is not high. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Chance was originally introduced as just a side character in the 2007 show. One of his uh, henchmen alongside Tiny, the big uh, uh, dim-witted leather daddy. Mm -hmm. But she got quite a promotion as the years went on. I mean, her career has a very similar track to uh, the Harley Quinn character, so... Yeah, I suppose that's true because Harley Quinn was also supposed to be a one-off character originally. Yeah, and and I know that like you know drawing analogies between uh, Chance and Harley Quinn is kind of a hack bit, but I mean, it it's there. You can't you can't not acknowledge it. Yeah, in the stage show, Jack literally called her his Harley Quinn of horror. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm just cringing at like you know hack writing. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it makes. I mean, you do know that the word Harlequin was around before Harley Quinn. Yes, I know, but and she is dressed as a Harlequin. Yeah, I know, but I, I can't re- I, off the top of my head. I can't exactly. I think they're just lampshading the joke too much in that for me, in that regard. Well, if you think that's cringy, in the uh, second stage show that they did, uh, she literally calls him Puddin. Yeah, I don't. So know. now they definitely know. Yeah, I'm just like I don't. I don't like it, man. It was better when you didn't acknowledge the the obvious joke. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're creatively bankrupt, but, you know, at least we're not drawing attention to it. Yeah. Except when we draw attention to it, so. Yeah. So it goes. Yeah. All the same. Yeah, the, the, I, fact, the fact that you acknowledge it doesn't make it better. All the same, I do really like her character, especially as she gets more to do as time goes on. She's she be- fun. Yeah. She becomes more interesting. Yeah. She also played uh, Princess Anna in uh, the Bill and Ted show in 2014. (laughs) (laughs) If Princess Anna was a uh, a big titty Tara Strong impersonator. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't don't know, man. Um, (laughs) I got nothing. What are some of the lesser remembered characters other than the Tara Queen? The Treaks and Foons. Yeah. That honestly seemed like a really fun idea. Um, that they just didn't do anything with. Yeah. But, uh, well, no, they did pop up in, like, the 20 Years of Fear Haunted House. Yeah. But, that yeah, that's basically all the play they've gotten. More I was interested in, like, okay, so in 2002, to turn uh, Toon Lagoon into a scare zone, they flooded the area with, like, gallons and gallons of like foam yeah it's like bubble foam yeah it's just like soap yeah and they hid these tw- uh bloated twisted cartoon character creations in the foam and they would pop out and interact with you dance around it, it it seemed less frightening and more fun yeah well i mean it would be it, it would be kind of like a like a jump scare sort of like you know they would they could jump out of the foam and you know you go like boo but you know Otherwise, yeah, it was it was more of a, a fun experience, you know, just kind of a Halloween party kind of deal. Yeah, sandwiched between the supervillains of Marvel Super of a uh, Carnage Island and the Velociraptors and Dino Human hybrids of Jurassic Park, uh, it was definitely you know the odd space out. Yeah, well, no, the odd space out was Seuss Landing. Well, yeah, because uh, Audrey Geisel 
would not permit Universal to do anything frightening with uh, her late husband's creation. The most they were permitted to do was dim the lights, play the music backwards, uh, fill the area with fog, and put a couple guys in robes just kind of standing around. Yeah, they were kind of just sort of drifting through the fog. So it was eerie, and, you know, it worked. I, I probably would have wouldn't have done too much different if I were in their position, so... Yeah, originally uh, there there was a concept uh, on the table to do something with that uh, back when Cindy was still the mascot. All mm. basically every uh, island of Islands of Adventure would have its own like sub boss. You know, Marvel had Carnage. Yeah, well, uh, I mean that year it it really kind of did sort of. Yeah, that was a leftover from the original yeah. treatment, and the you know obvious uh, sub boss for Seuss Landing would have been the Grinch. Specifically, the Grinch from the uh, much overlooked Halloween is Grinch Night. Yeah, a great special. Um, uh, Doctor Seuss's personal favorite. Uh, yeah, I think I think he probably had the most input on that one, so he got to tell it the way he wanted to, which is why it's so very different from the earlier How the Grinch Stole Christmas special. Yeah, which you know, not to knock How the Grinch Stole Christmas, but Halloween is Grinch Night is the fucking shit. <laughs> How the Grinch Stole Christmas is arguably better. Yeah. I, I I kind of like the uh, the uh, the narrated poem, yeah, uh, angle better than uh, the very narration heavy. How the Grinch uh, Halloween Night is Grinch Night, because if you haven't watched it since last year, you might forget just how much tedious narration is in that special. In Halloween is Grinch Night. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's not especially interesting until Eucharistic goes into the paraphernalia wagon. Which, you know, just just gotta love the fact that it's called yeah. the paraphernalia wagon. Yeah. Yeah, you open the wagon and out comes a bad acid trip. Yeah. That, I, yeah, because the special is pretty good up until that point, and then they just kick it into fucking, you know, 11, man. T- take it up to Ralph Steadman. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're getting into a bat country, man. <laughs> yeah, you open up the, para- the paraphernalia wagon and suddenly you have the fear. Yeah. <laughs> we were out on the outer limits of Seussville when the drugs started to take hold. <laughs> All around me, giant miserable bats were swooping around in my wagon. Uh, I, found ultimate- the was- I found the wuzzy woozle in the bricker bush field, and somebody was giving booze to this goddamn animal. <laughs> so Seuss Landing, uh, they uh, naturally couldn't do very much with. So, yeah, that and Toon Landing were kind of the uh, the areas where they just kind of, like, well, Seuss Landing, they just basically threw up their hands and surrendered. Yeah. Toon Lagoon, it's like, oh, we can do something with twisted cartoon characters. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they could have gone stronger, but the Treaks and Foons were fine. They were they, that was a that was a good move, I think. Yeah, they could have they could have done some like weird Ralph Bakshi shit with it. Yeah. Which would have been the first could've place get, yeah. I first place I would have gone with it. Yeah, it could have gone real fucking weird with it, but yeah, know. real acid cartoon hours. Yeah, but as for what they were, the Treaks and Foons, I think were a good move. Yeah. And uh, uh, this was back when uh, the Lost Continent was still intact. So for that, they just did kind of a generic, you know, vaguely sword and sandals, demony stuff. Yeah, I kind of remember that. It was kind of... The sub-boss of that was like a ram-headed uh, character called Nightmare. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, w- w- would have been perfectly, uh, perfectly in place fighting Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, he seemed like a rejected character from War Gods. He does. <laughs> yeah. Like if like if uh like if they tried to do a like Baphomet or a set character 
in War Gods. Yeah. And then left him on the uh, cutting room floor. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So yeah, the the Lost Continent. It was. It wasn't. It it was good, but it yeah, very unremarkable. I think. I miss the Lost Continent. Yeah. I'm so sad that I never got to drink at the Alchemy Bar. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They they kept the um sort of like Grecian sword and sandals side of the lost continent, but they, which ditched. I'm happy about because uh, Poseidon's uh, fury is still a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. But um, yeah, they ditched the kind of like Tolkien uh, felt black, like poster side. Yeah. They called, they called it Merlin wood named after the giant tree with a face in it that had a tavern it built into its roots. Yeah. I mean, that shit was really fucking cool. And the original, well, I say original, but it no longer exists in any form. But the old Dueling Dragons queue yeah, full of skulls and knights killed by either ice or fire and Merlin reading morbid poetry at you. Just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I think we're both marks for that kind of like grim fantasy sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like you called it blacklight poster core. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like a fucking, uh, gnome in a red cap sitting on top of a toadstool smoking on a tavern pipe kind of vibe well that just brings us back to wizards by ralph bakshi yeah a perfect film (laughs) yeah a film that ends with how harry potter should have ended with the one wizard just pulling out a luger and shooting the evil wizard (laughs) yeah the the harry potter series would have ended a lot quicker (laughs) it's like you say you're immortal but how effective are you going to be if I replace most of your flesh with lead? <laughs> yeah, Ralph actually don't fuck around with none of this wizard bullshit. We got magic, but we also have the magic of a bullet. <laughs> but yeah, we, we brought up um, Poseidon's Fury, and that reminded me of something that I forgot about. Uh, in 2005, as uh, the year of the Terror Queen, they turned Poseidon's Fury into a haunted house. Mm-hmm the terra mines mm-hmm. and that was the first time they uh introduced the uh the gimmick of the uh the construction helmet mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's one house that i always regret uh not being able to have visited oh yeah you didn't do that i yeah i, I started going the year after that the person in front of me passed out <sighs> in that house i i'm sad that i missed that well i i had to stand there for like 30 minutes because they were like you know trying to kind of like rouse her at first like she okay so somebody like we were walking through and the person directly in front of me, like one of the characters just jumped out in front of her and she just fucking went down <laughs> and Dropped like a sack of hammers. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, she was doing like the whole, you know, kind of uh, sort of like, I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen somebody pass out. She was doing the kind of like the the weird sort of like, you know, in between consciousness. kind oh, of thing. Where like her hands are still kind of moving, but there's like no actual intent behind it. Yeah. They're kind of like, you know, flexing her face is kind of, you know, twitching a little bit. It's almost like a like a bad dream that you can't wake up from. Um, so that was going on for about like 20, 30 minutes. And I was, we were just standing there and uh, <laughs> the characters were just kind of uh, just. I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> they didn't cover this in training. Yeah, clearly not. Um, but they, they did have, you know, like universal staff came over and, uh, you know, trying to kind of, you know, rouse her and get to, get to one of the exits and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. Wasn't that the same year where they had a haunted house called uh, Demon Cantina 
and one of the guys was so yes, fucking was. drunk yeah. that he thought it was an actual bar. Yeah, one of the guys in the line was so fucking hammered, he tried to order a drink from the haunted house from, and from then the... ended up punching one of the characters. Oh, I didn't remember that part of the story. Oh, yeah, yeah. He uh, he, he was that offended that the uh, demon, that the uh, succubus behind the bar wouldn't serve him? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he, he just decked one of the characters. Being a character is honestly kind of a hazardous work environment. Yeah, I've heard stories. Uh, some of them have been, like, kicked in their knees and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if you're the kind I of... I think that's also why, you know... Now, uh, in a lot of haunted houses, you see a lot of the characters are kind of behind, like only from the waist up. <laughs> yeah, because you know, and, you know, if you get punched in your face, that's bad, but it's not going to cripple you. Getting stomped in your knee—that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you are the kind of person who like reacts that way to being startled, don't go in the fucking haunted house. Yeah, don't don't. Well, also don't go in there. You know, if you're you know blood alcohol level is like 0.20 or something also yes <laughs> it is entirely possible to be too drunk at halloween horror nights yes we've seen it many times i've come close yeah come close never quite tipped the scale yeah when when i have too much drink i'm most uh too much to drink i'm mostly a uh, danger to myself because i'll just like fall into things yeah yeah uh, you do you do get pretty i mean there was that one time like probably my favorite fall that i've ever seen anybody do where you managed to uh I just somehow folded myself like a deck chair yeah where you somehow managed to uh fall but like you uh just sort of folded in half and then your your head kind of g- uh gingerly touched the ground and then your feet followed after you almost like a cartoon character yeah i was like 16 at the time that was still early in my drinking career yeah but a couple back in those days a couple pints of vodka would do it yeah which you did drink Skull, I believe. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> tasted like oil and fire. As as skull tends to. Yeah, it's oily rubbing alcohol. Yeah. Um, but that does bring up another very important point of uh, like an of, of an important part of the entire Halloween Horror Nights experience, which is even if you don't partake, the drinking. Yeah, there is no getting around it. That's where, and you know. It, Fans have kind of like talked about like maybe not serving alcohol at Halloween Horror Nights, but then you wouldn't have the event because that's where Universal makes most of its money. Yeah, they're not making money off of the tickets. No, they're making money off of $9 beers. Yeah, and $12 jello shots. Exactly, yeah. So uh, the drinking, uh, it's woven into the fabric. It's not going away, and it can make things interesting. Yeah. I won't say that it makes things better or worse, but it makes them more interesting. That's yeah. undeniable. Yeah, alcohol is a is a is a neutral factor. It can it, it can uh, it can be a positive or it can be a very decidedly negative. Yeah, just just ask uh, my shoes that have traped through uh, so many puddles of vomit. Yeah, well, I, I I try to avoid the the vomit puddles. Well, the well, the problem is it's like usually out back behind uh, Men in Black where there's no lights, so the vomit just kind of like blends in with the asphalt. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you don't know it's there until you've already traipsed through it. Yeah. Um Yeah, cuz I mean the alcohol can make things more funny. Can, but it can it, also make things more violent. Yeah. Um It can le- <laughs> it often leads to a lot of uh a lot of uh fights and crying. 
among uh, other patrons. Yeah, I mean, that happened. That's an aspect of like regular amusement park experience is like there's always someone in a fight with someone else in their group and you just kind of have to uncomfortably shimmy by it. Yeah. On a regular day, it's usually like a parent yelling at a child. But during Halloween Horror Nights, it's always someone having a very public breakup. Yeah. Yo, I, I've seen some very ugly fucking breakups at Halloween Horror Nights. Or not uh, th- like the 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 worst one that I saw was actually not at Halloween Horror Nights. It was just at a theme park during the day, and I think that people were just. I think I watched a divorce happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, taking your loved one to an amusement park, I guess under any circumstances, is always kind of a tenuous uh, engagement. No, I th- I think I I think I actively witnessed a woman walk away with the kids. <laughs> I mean, you got to think, it's hot. It's stressful to organize. You're spending a lot of money. There's just all these belligerent factors. It's like, yeah, if your relationship is on shaky ground to begin with, it's do go, not go to a theme going park. to an amusement park is like have is like trying to fix your marriage by having another kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to help. It's just going to make all of the problems that already exist even worse. Yeah. Shit. Did I? I don't care about anything you say. Ever happen at Halloween Horror Nights? I think it did. <laughs> I don't remember that, so please elaborate. Yeah. Uh, like, probably the funniest fight that I ever saw was, like, two people just just fucking screaming at each other. And then uh, dude dressed in his, like, 2006 best, so, like, bag baggy as fuck shorts, <laughs> white Wait, wait, wait. Were where they cargo shorts? They were cargo shorts. Of course they were. Of course eh. they were. Well, it, it could go one of two ways. It's cargo shorts or gym shorts. No, yeah. they were Both cargo. are excellent. I yeah, just wanted to know. No, yeah. They were cargo shorts. And he was wearing excellent. like a wife beater. He had like the, the frosted M&M hair. Are you sure this was Halloween Horror Nights and not Bush Gardens? Because this sounds like a very Bush Boulevard sort of gentleman. No, yeah. I'm, no, I'm pretty sure that this happened at Halloween Horror Nights. But yeah, they were just screaming at each other. And then just the guy literally just throws up his hands and says and stomps away. Because also he's got the the you know big big 2006 like Osiris like fat shoes and he just says Excellent. and he just says I don't care about anything you say ever and just stomps away presumably into the night they never saw each other again you know when when I die and I'm standing uh, before the gates of Saint Peter <laughs> and my entire life is laid before me an uncomfortable uh, amount of that is going to be dedicated to me laughing at like marriages ending in amusement <laughs> parks and i i don't know what i'm gonna tell him just like i don't know bro you yeah. had to be there yeah i mean that's just it's just absurd you know I, I i i will i will not be i will not be faulted for laughing if god didn't want me to laugh he shouldn't have made it so fucking funny yeah ah <laughs> uh, yeah what i feel like we've had a lot of great interactions with other guests at Halloween Horror Nights. I'm, I guess great is a good way to is a is a way to put it. I mean, we never got like punched or kneecapped, so I yeah. So uh, I mean, the 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 bar is low, but we passed it. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, mostly, I'm just thinking of uh, those two girls who were uh, super drunk in line at uh, Epcot's Festival of the Holidays. Yeah just like demanded that we share drinks with them and yeah they just like became our new best friends for 20 minutes or like yelling about like farm fishing farm fishing yeah one of them had like a weird thing where she like hated the uh the fish farm in uh 
uh yeah because we were in line oh for, yeah we were in line for uh living with the land yeah and she was just like so indignant at the uh the fish farm yeah and just like so i just say to her it's like would it be better if they just overfished uh the wild o- yeah. wild fish populations and that seemed to dumbfound her because <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's not hard to dumbfound someone who has a blood alcohol level of 0.2 but <laughs> yeah yeah um We've had some interesting interactions while waiting in line. I mean, that's the, yeah, at any, uh, theme park event, that is where you spend most of your time. Yeah. It's just, you know, well, Halloween Horror Nights and Epcot are also the drunkest places in theme parks, generally speaking. So well, either that or Busch Gardens. Yeah. Busch Gardens. Uh, I'll, I'll say this much. Busch Gardens is the only amusement park I've ever been to where uh pass holders get a discount on alcohol (laughs) like yeah they know what they're about and they're not fucking sorry about it i don't know if they still have them but a couple of years ago they introduced uh you can rent your own tankard like a beer hall i believe it like you can have it it'll be there every time you go to bush gardens it'll have your name on it yeah i had not considered it but uh frankly i'd be shocked if they didn't have that Yeah, they they did their own food and wine fest for a while uh, with uh, guests like Meatloaf, Sugar Ray, Leonard Skinnerd. <laughs> well, a Leonard Skinnerd. Yeah, like half There's... of Le- half of Leonard Skinnerd and Ronnie Van Sant's brother. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm assuming at this point there's probably like six different Leonard Skinnerds. No, no, they're they're not like Shauna Na. It is the same lineup. Uh, oh, Ronnie okay. Von Ronnie Van Sant's uh, dirt bay dirtbag brother took over the band after the plane crash but, mm. but yeah they, they they just finally uh hung it up uh this year like i i kept getting like text notifications like do you want to attend uh uh leonard skinner's farewell tour at like campbell park in clearwater <laughs> it's like nah i saw him once at the bush gardens i'm good bro <laughs> i mean not gonna lie i never liked leonard skinner so (laughs) i just never really got the appeal i was i was always more into southern rock than you were yeah yeah just it just never clicked for me i was just i don't know for whatever reason it was just this 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 isn't really this doesn't resonate with me (laughs) you're just straight up not having a good time yeah you uh you like the devil's rejects yeah, I mean that You you like the Bolivian army ending with a uh, free bird blaring. Yeah, I mean that was the I think the only context in which I've ever actually enjoyed Leonard Skinnerd. Yeah. Cuz like you you can't really enjoy Freebird unironically <laughs> and I don't know if I don't know if uh uh Devil's Rejects counts as ironical or not, but it's definitely not the intended use of a uh, Freebird, which makes it the best use of Freebird. Is there an intended use of Freebird? I I assume the intended use is uh, for some fucking duking. I don't know. Like the the vibe that I get is like the intended use of Freebird is I don't know, uh, going out for a pack of smokes and then never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that is the text of the lyrics. <laughs> Just sounds so much more epic though. <laughs> Well, everything sounds more epic when you add three guitar solos on it. <laughs> I could tell you that I'm leaving, that I'm going out for a pack of cigarettes. But the truth is, I'm as free as a bird now. And this bird, you cannot change. 
Speaking of uh, Leonard Skinner, um, something that I did not expect to be as good as it was was last year's uh, House of a Thousand Corpses Haunted House. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, yeah, because it was in that sprung tent off to the side of Men in Black, and usually that. Usu- are- yeah, that's usually like the the redheaded stepchild spot. Yeah, because the the structure that it's in is just like so shitty. Yeah, it, it's hard to build anything of value in there, but they pulled it off. Yeah, I mean that that spot is usually where they stick like the the shit house that they have no faith in. But uh, yeah, the yeah, house like of a the thousand is a Blumhouse. Ugh. Yeah, I'm I'm not that big into uh, like I I I respect Blumhouse for how they do their business. It's like yeah, just make cheap horror movies. They cannot fail because their budget is like. A dollar. Five dollars, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I I feel like uh horror filmmaking should probably make a return to that. Yeah. Filmmaking in general should probably make a return to that since, you know, your movie can't lose... Two, your movie can only lose $200 million if you put $200 million into it in the first place. Yeah. Be cheaper. Yeah. Uh, filmmaking should really get off the, uh, the tent tent poles all the time model that we're on right now we did it we did it for like 10 or 15 years it's time to do something different yeah but yeah uh most blumhouse movies are uh fucking dog shit but yeah i mean they're 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 not good <laughs> so yeah uh the, the you con- can respect the, the model but just be like these films the concept of good. the purge could barely sustain a single movie never mind like five movies in a television series yeah um, and a couple of scare zones and haunted houses thrown in for good measure. Yeah, the since uh Blumhouse has a contract with Universal, uh, they can just use any of their properties. And for a lot of years, uh, The Purge has just been their concept of last resort. They've used it for multiple scare zones, and yeah. one year they were going to have a haunted house based off of the new Scream television series, but they lost the rights to that last minute. So it was like, fuck it, turn it into The Purge. Yeah. Yeah, but any of the other Blumhouse movies, too, is like, who was really, like, you know, sitting out there being like, ooh, I'm very excited for the Happy Death Day haunted house. Yeah, I think Happy Death Day uh, works in the context of a movie. It really doesn't work in the context of a haunted house. Yeah. Because you're literally just going through. They just took, like, a room and then just control C, control V, (laughs) over and over. It's like, you... Yeah, Either you didn't think this through or you just don't fucking care. Yeah, I, I was walking through that house and just I was Jesus straight up Christ, not having, it, I was straight up not having a good time. It's like <laughs> when can we get out of the happy death day portion? Yeah. But yeah, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses like <laughs> But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that that particular uh stage had uh, a bit of a stigma against it because uh they gave Chance her own haunted house there uh in the year when she was the mascot and that wasn't great either. Yeah, I don't remember that being particularly good. It was. That's because it wasn't. Yeah. But maybe it's because of the... Uh, I don't know if they just tried harder or if it was because of the unique aesthetics of House of a Thousand Corpses, but it really gelled for that. Yeah, everything looked like shit, so it was fine. <laughs> and, like, a problem with that house is that they uh, there's multiple, like, path pathways where you can't actually build anything. Yeah. Just thoroughfares for uh, people. And they solved that by just, like, throwing, like, Rob Zombie's, like, stock footage projections up there with, like, Rob Zombie music playing in the background. 
So, you know, I both enjoy Rob Zombie and that gelled with the vibe of the rest of the house. So it wasn't jarring. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably the best that they could have hoped for with that particular spot, given it's given that spot's track record. Yeah. And uh, the uh, the uh, the facade was also excellent because they lovingly recreated as best as they reasonably could, given the you know the physical location, yeah, give, given the limitations. Yeah, given the physical location, uh, Captain Spaulding's uh, Museum of Monsters and Mad Men and Fried Chicken. Yeah. And this was also just a few months after Sid Haig passed away, so it was also a, a bit of an emotional thing. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's favorite clown died. Is Captain Spaulding everyone's favorite clown? Uh, I that, thought that Harley Quinn was everybody's favorite clown. Uh, that's what they called him at uh, uh, at the uh, the Spooky Empire uh, VIP party. Hmm. Though, of course, he was referring to Sid Haig himself, not the specific Oh, uh, okay. Not so, the character. <laughs> yeah, Captain Spaulding may not be everyone's favorite clown, but Sid Haig was everyone's favorite clown in the horror community. Mm. Yeah, because... You know, Harley Quinn doesn't have a specific actress tied to her the way that Tara Strong. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is true. Um, well, the, the, and, the na- and now Margot Robbie. Yeah, I mean, the best uh, Harley Quinn was uh, uh, Arlene Sorkin, the original. Hmm. But since she's retired, uh, yeah, Tara Strong. Yeah. And you know, I guess I, I guess uh, Margot Robbie is good. I just don't like the things that the movie has her doing most of the time. Yeah, she's good at she's good at doing at doing the character. It's just I don't really like, you know, I I don't like the movie. So yeah, well, I don't think either of us saw uh, Birds of Prey, but nah. I I yeah I after watching the uh, Suicide Squad, I was just like I have no interest in really continuing this story. Yeah, I kind of took umbrage with Birds of Prey because like, you clearly just wanted to make a Harley Quinn movie, so why didn't you just do that? Yeah. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but Harley Quinn was never actually involved with the Birds of Prey. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I feel like she has been. Mm. And if she hasn't been, she certainly is shortly to be in the comics. But she took the position of the leader of the Birds of Prey, where, from what I recall, the leader of the Birds of Prey was always Barbara Gordon. I think so, yeah. Who is not in the movie at all. And I don't think it's even been introduced in the entire DCEU at this point. Well, such as the DCEU uh, even exists, but... Yeah. It's getting more and more diffuse Yeah, a- as time passes. Yeah, I guess my gripe with uh, Harley, uh, the Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn is A, that title. Yeah. And B... <laughs> And, and B, I believe that you believe. And B, it should have just been like a standalone Harley Quinn movie and then the if you want to do birds of prey they should have been their own thing yeah yeah well i mean personally i think that we ought to just take both the dceu and the mcu at this point and just take them out back behind the shed but (laughs) that's more than likely what's going to happen with the dceu since you know because the snyder cut's about to come out and it's going to be just as dog shit as the original one just as dog shit but twice as long yeah yeah (laughs) Well, also, most of the actors from the DCEU have departed. I think the only one who's still around is Gal Gadot and technically Margot Robbie, if that's in even in the same continuity. Who knows? Yeah, who fucking knows? But yeah, because uh, the, the new James Gunn's new Suicide Squad movie, I don't think could get 
any of the actors back from the original. Like Margot Robbie's not there, and Will Smith definitely isn't there. Mm. So we're not voting well. Yeah. Sorry, James. Nobody hits a thousand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I trust James Gunn to uh, make a good like ensemble movie, but the the clay that he's working with is mixed in with like piss and shit and yeah. farts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the end result can only for all his skill, the end result can only be so good. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't expect, despite the fact that I have confidence in James Gunn, I don't have confidence in this film. I don't have concept in this. I don't have confidence in this property. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, probably what they should do is just like Wonder Woman 84 or whatever it is, is already coming out. Yeah. Probably just make that the last fucking DC movie for minimum five years. Unless you want to find some way to like nightcap this disaster. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it stands to be seen if the Batman is even coming out because uh, Robert Pattinson uh, came down with the COVID yeah. in the middle of filming. It's clearly a cursed franchise at this point. Yeah. I mean, they've been trying to make this fucking move, this specific movie for what, like two years? At least probably much longer than that. Yeah. So it's just like maybe two years since you started hearing about it. So at, at, at what point do you just cut your losses? Yeah. I mean, move. Well, uh, you know, I, I was about to say movies die in Hollywood all the time. It's like, well, they used to, but now everything is a tentpole, so nothing can ever fucking die anymore. Yeah, that is true. Warner Brothers is already like, I, I don't know, half a billion dollars in the hole on the Batman. So yeah. come hell or high water, they got to release something. Yeah, they can't cut the like in a normal production. At a certain point, you would just cut your losses, but with this, they fucking can't. So they, you know, they have to finish this fucking train wreck. Yeah, probably a good uh, explanation of why you shouldn't tie up a third of your studio's capital in one movie. I thought you fuckers learned this when Cleopatra came out, and it was the biggest hit of the year, and it still almost bankrupted Fox. Yeah, um... Yeah, the the 60s musical boom should have you guys should have learned your fucking lesson the first time. Yeah. How many mis how many Dr. Doolittles do you have to uh shove out? How many Hello Dollies ha- will it take? Yeah. Enough bu- enough blood has been shed. Bring the troops home. <laughs> I think that's a good spot to take a break. Yeah, we're going to go to a quick commercial break and then we will be back. Yes. He's been lurking in the shadows, twisted, mutilated, waiting to unleash the rage that's tearing him apart. And worst of all, he's watching you right now! Starting this Friday, meet the mindless terror of Eddie at Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights 11. Select nights in October and November. You'll experience five brand new haunted houses, deadly new entertainment throughout the park, and an all-new Bill and Ted show. It's more gore than ever before, because this year, there's no more clowning around. Florida residents save up to $15 with any Fanta or other specially marked product or coupon from participating Taco Bell locations. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster, Spencer Gifts, and Universal Orlando Ticket Windows. For information, call 407-22-HORROR or visit HalloweenHorrorNights.com. Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. I see you. He's in the studio! No! No! So what's the best house that you ever went into in Halloween Horror Nights? Nightingales. 
Nightingales. Nightingales. The original. The uh, obviously. Yeah. No blood pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 shitty one in the tent. Yeah. Um. I would probably go with um, sorry, but the thing assimilation. Yeah. So. I mean, you uh, you you had the opportunity to go into that one, and you went into Club Vamp instead. Sure did. Yeah. You backed the wrong horse. Yep. I was a uh, I was going through my vampire phase at the time. Yeah. I went in vampire i don't even remember what the subtitle was but yeah yeah uh nightingale i'm sure i would have enjoyed the thing assimilation but even conceptually nightingales is more interesting to me yeah like, well i mean yeah the the thing you know it, it's it, the it, thing it, yeah it's the thing you know you know the you know the story you know the concept whatever so you know, uh, it's not particularly high concept. With Nightingales, it was an entire, it was its own entire new story. Yeah, set during World War One, which is already like brutal enough. Yeah, you got demons masquerading as human nurses, preying on the dead and dying. Yeah, and uh, which there's got to be a metaphor in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so you so you're going through hospitals and through battle trenches and seeing people getting ripped in half in front of you. It was just superb yeah yeah that one uh i i remember it to a degree like i I remember it and i remember like certain segments of the houses but i i don't remember it in super great detail but i remember it being very good uh things built in that particular soundstage seemed to come out well because i believe that was the same space that housed gothic yeah which was a house that i didn't have a lot of faith in but it's pleasantly surprised me yeah the concept seemed the least interesting just a yeah. gothic cathedral full of gargoyles yeah gurgals slackics <laughs> but you know they serves 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 me right for assuming because they really turned it into something one of my favorite halloween horror nights memories is being stuck by like behind this whole family during the uh the window sequence mm. and they just could not move <laughs> yeah i mean that's the one time a whole, where... a whole family paralyzed by terror yeah that's the one time where you're uh stuck behind people in line and you're uh, just overjoyed to be there <laughs> yeah they were not having any of this shit <laughs> always good you'll love to see it hmm. what other great houses from the past would you like to revisit Great houses from the past. Well, um, I mean, fucking HR blood and guts. Yeah, that was that was on the tip of my tongue when we were discussing um, underrated Halloween Horror Nights characters. Yeah. So, okay, there used to be a tradition at Halloween Horror Nights that one year would always be kind of like <laughs> the joke house, where it was less about scares and more about morbid laughs. Yeah, they uh, so. They haven't done this in quite a few years, but they used to have, you know, there would be one house that was kind of like sort of sensory deprivation. It would be like, you know, very dark and, you know, you would be kind of feeling your way through the darkness. One would be the opposite. Yeah. Another one would be sensory overload where it was really psychedelic and weird and, uh, you know, just constantly bombarding you from every angle. Bright lights, strobes, fog, you know. Just, yeah. It, just, just throwing everything at you. And then there would be uh, a, a basically a horror comedy house. Like, you know, just doing some just doing some goofs and gaffs. And the best of those was Holidays of Horror featuring H.R. Blood and Guts. 
uh, in the year 2011. Yeah. And it was about a horror host at like some local TV station, probably in Cary, Ohio. I'm pretty sure. Who uh, just got handed his pink slip mere moments before going on the air. And he decides to take it out on his producer by binding and torturing him while showing a farewell marathon of holiday-themed horror films. And that is the house, is you walking through all of these films. Yeah. I remember... Uh, what was the first one? It was the first one Valentine's Day? Yeah, I think... Uh, it or was... actually, it was v- uh, Valentine's Day 2. VD2, yeah. the recurrence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another one was Arbor Day. Yeah. Yeah, with giant, like, tree monsters. Yeah, Thanksgiving, or Thanksgiving. Yeah, before Thanksgiving was actually became a movie. <laughs> no, actually, it was after Thanksgiving, which is why, uh, like, halfway through the season, uh, they edited the footage so that he wasn't saying it by name. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, uh, there was Ho Ho Homicide. That was that was the finale house. Yeah. Um, Santa is dead and being mutilated by his elves. <laughs> yeah, they use every holiday except for Halloween. Well, I mean feel like that would be just you know redundant oh yeah i wasn't saying that as a negative it's uh it's 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 charming that they gave uh you know holidays like arbor day yeah <laughs> their uh their concept uh fourth of july was one with an evil uh uncle sam yeah he kind of looked like the american scream from shade the changing man <laughs> yeah Though i suppose all uncle sams are inherently evil i yeah well i mean he's always been a profoundly sinister looking character <laughs> Yeah, he's got a Mephist- Mephistopheles beard. Yeah. <laughs> no innocent man wears that beard. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's like the, the evil Spock beard. <laughs> Almost identical, yes. <laughs> but yeah, H&R, H.R. Blood and Guts quickly became a fan favorite character who has not ever returned. Yeah. You can still sometimes see the actor who portrayed him working the horror makeup show. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time, but I I assume he's probably still there. Yeah. He's I mean well, he's great. Well, he's, he, he's a fantastic actor. Well, he splits his time between the horror makeup show and Poseidon's Fury. Mm. Like sometimes he's the uh assistant in Poseidon's Fury. I could see him much better as a, a horror makeup show host. I mean, it behooves him much better, but Yeah. Um, he's a great actor. Yeah, I don't know what his name is, but he's fantastic. Well, yeah, un- unfortunately, that there don't seem to be any credits for uh, these Universal actors. Yeah, like uh, I know the actor who portrayed uh, Jack the Clown in All But One Year started out as uh, Beetlejuice in the Beetlejuice Graveyard Review. Mm. Rip, rip in peace. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. I mean, he he's a really hammy actor which totally works in the It's context. an amusement yeah. park. You would want it to be at least a little hammy. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's fucking honey-baked, man. <laughs> mm, honey glazed and salted. <laughs> but, yeah, if there was one thing that probably won't come back from Halloween Horror Nights Past that I would like to see more of, it's Atar Blood and Guts. He's yeah. such a fun character. <laughs> That and the uh, the the comedy house itself seems to have uh, gone away, and um, yeah, it was a tradition that you ran with for years and years. I'm not sure why it ended. Well, actually, I take that back. I know exactly why it ended. Licensed properties. Yeah, it <laughs> it gave way to a uh, uh, a uh, preference for uh, just licensing out other properties. 
I guess you could say that Killer Clowns from Outer Space technically fits the mold. Yeah. Well, yeah. At, at that point, we kind of achieved a synthesis between, you know, the horror comedy and the the licensed property. But yeah, uh, what, uh, I guess the thing from uh, Halloween Horror Nights Past that I would want them to bring back is the uh, the story-driven uh, entrance show. Because that also used to be a tradition for quite a while. At, at the very least from 2006 onward. Because 2006 opened with The Arrival, where yeah. they are resurrecting all of the uh, mascots from years past. Uh, Jack the Clown had two separate ones for each of his respective carnivals of carnage. Mm-hmm. And that's not really a thing anymore. Yeah. I expected a chance to get one, but they did away with that in favor of the Academy of Villains stage show, which, I mean, dance shows are probably just not for me. Yeah, I never really got into the Academy of Villains. It's just not my vibe. Yeah. Yeah, no no ill will against them, but uh, we're just not particularly interested in dance. Yeah. But yeah, I felt like those shows led a lent a uh, a story element that hasn't been present for a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's which going I guess to, is also going to a... just necessarily be a thing that happens when you're primarily dedicating houses and real estate to licensed properties. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's uh, another casualty alongside the comedy house. Yeah. It just because when you have so many different and divergent properties that you're licensing, you know, that they're so disparate that they can't really be combined into a single unified story. Yeah. Like last year, the theme was the 1980s and that was a theme that came about by accident because they just kind of realized that all of the things that they had licensed were either from the eighties or heavily referential to it. Yeah. And even then just the fact that they had a theme, like it wasn't telling a story or anything. It was just the eighties. <laughs> But it did make it the uh, the most cohesive Halloween Horror Nights in recent memory. Yeah, and I did like the uh, the Lagoon show that they uh, inter- that they premiered. Yeah, well, also because they they weren't really taking anything away for that; they were just adding to the event. So yeah. even if you didn't really care for it all that much, it's still a positive. Yeah, I mean they had done Lagoon shows in the past, but they were kind of weird and janky and didn't really work. Yeah, this is probably the the first time they really nailed it. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I f- it it felt to me more like a clip show, just showing you know scenes and references to the properties that they were putting in the houses. So it it didn't really feel very transformative, I guess. But it was just kind of you know this is cool. Yeah, it's neat. I mean, that was the conceit. It was the uh the marathon of mayhem, yeah. where you're just like watching the 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 dark VHS tape. <laughs> And it's got, you know, fucking Stranger Things and Killer Clowns and... Uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, no Poltergeist, weirdly. Maybe they couldn't get any of the the license to the actual film, just the concept of Poltergeist. Maybe that... Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think, like, maybe that movie didn't have as much iconic imagery, but it did have a few, you know? Yeah. The clown. Yeah, the clown. The, the, they, uh, the they're here. Yeah, the uh, the the skeletons the, rising out of the pool. The the ghost monster. Yeah. That fucking tree. Yeah, you, there's there's plenty you could do with poltergeist. Yeah. So I don't know. So this Halloween Horror Nights has been scrapped. If you could do one thing, 
for next year's Halloween Horror Nights. Like, you are the auteur king shit of Horror Nights Mountain. What would you do? Hmm. Would I go with an original concept or would I try to do a, uh, like, throwback? Okay, so uh, I feel like the idea that I come up with would be profoundly unmarketable, so... (laughs) Um, but I would probably go with a, uh, like if, if, if I were just given free reigns and told that I'm the auteur of this, uh, this, uh, Halloween Horror Nights, I would probably go with, uh, basically, uh, sort of, um, dark capitalist vibes, like sort of, sort of vaporwavy, sort of psychedelic. I mean, vaporwave is still in. Yeah. I would would probably go like maybe like a they live house mm. uh oh i would do a society house yeah you're uh you're i love society you're uh your current fave yeah 1989's society yeah yeah i guess that's a that, I, I mean that that would be I, honestly society would be a fucking great house yeah i guess that's a more interesting question since neither of us have a uh a pre-planned uh event offhand but like what property would you uh adapt clearly yours is society yeah i think that uh i would if if i was given free reign of uh halloween horror nights and told uh that i can just you know adapt whatever licensed properties i want society would probably be in there because i think that would also yield a fantastic house i am leaning towards reanimator mm. i can see it working since we're on an 80s vibe yeah i mean yeah it is, at its core it is like a zombie movie just one of the better more interesting zombie movies yeah so i could see reanimator working um they never made a film sequel to uh trick-or-treat did they nope i could see doing a uh a haunted house because they've already done a trick-or-treat haunted house but i'm thinking a they've done uh haunted houses off of two of michael doherty's movies uh trick-or-treat and krampus yeah but i'm thinking a trick-or-treat styled uh like anthology haunted house like in the in the same vein basically as so the original, like um in uh, the same vein basically cinema. as the no in the same vein basically as the original trick-or-treat house just uh with new stories introduced because slaughter cinema was fine it just i think that they tried to do too many stories so each of them felt like a one-room vignette and it wasn't pretty it it didn't really interest me too much i think it would have been better if they tried to do maybe three movies in yeah, Slaughter Cinema instead of like 10 or 11. Yeah, but what Slaughter Cinema had and what you would need for your concept is like a framing device. Yeah. Because Trick or Treat, you know, the original house was based off of the movie. Which well, most people hadn't seen. Yeah, but I think they kind of like inherently got it. Yeah, which is why I would bring back uh, the kid. Sam? Yeah. That would be the framing device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to, just kind of like make your own trick or treat sequel. I, I yeah. suppose you could do that. You would what, be a good fucking house. What? Hellbound. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because they've they did uh, a vignette of uh, Hellraiser in one of the All Night Die-ins, but you don't get to go into the labyrinth. 
Yeah. And to think I hesitated. Shin already is the worst part of that movie, though. <laughs> so I'd probably try and downplay him. Yeah. <laughs> really? You're doing puns while you murder? Are you are you a Cenobite or the Joker? Well, as the series progressed, I became more and more Cenobite behavior, so... Yeah. Yeah, I, I associate that sort of uh, behavior more with, like, Freddy Krueger, not a dignified car- creature like a Cenobite. Yeah. You know what could be an interesting ha- haunted house? Cannibal Holocaust? No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would be profoundly uninteresting. Yeah, you also you also weirdly find that movie boring. and Yeah. Say what you want about that movie, and most people did, but most people didn't call it boring. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. There's no accounting for taste, but what I was going to say, Event Horizon. Mmm, yeah. That is a movie that I like as a concept a lot more than I like in execution. So that makes it ripe for your a for your haunted, haunted house. house. Yeah, because you can execute it however you want to. Yeah. And even like recreate some of the uh, now lost scenes. Yeah. That reminds me. Uh, did you know that uh, they recycled one of the uh, lost? Well, they recycled the idea for the haunted house evolution into one of the scrap sequels for Jurassic World. Huh. <laughs> yeah, they were going to make a Jurassic World sequel all about dino-human hybrids. I yeah, I mean, I can kind of see some of that bleeding into the Jurassic World, like you know the the product that finally came about with you know like the the gene, uh, gen, you know the genetic gene splicing, yeah, the genetic editing, and they have like the you know take the, a, take the, a dab of cuttlefish, take a dab of iguana. Well, because they in the in Jurassic World it, in the version of Jurassic World that ultimately got made, they had the scientist from the original Jurassic Park the movie. The fiendish Dr. Wu. Yeah, Dr. Wu is like a mad scientist now. Yeah, whereas in the original, he was just like a normal guy. Yeah, he was but just... But now he's like wearing the turtleneck of evil yeah. and <laughs> sipping evil tea. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird character progression, but... Yeah. Can't say I liked it, especially since it went nowhere. The he just got it... onto a helicopter and left the film. Yeah, the the follow-up I thought we were going to get was like a Resident Evil type of thing where they're weaponizing the dinosaurs, creating bioorganic weapons. That yeah. had no payoff. No, yeah, uh, Dr. Wu just like came in and I'm was not in the really, movie anymore. Yeah, was really sinister, and then he bye. just got in a helicopter and fucking left, and it was like, bye, so long, Avita like, Zane. Thanks for checking in, BD Wong. Yeah. <laughs> At least I think that was B.D. Wong. I haven't actually seen that movie since uh, it came out. but Yeah. It didn't have a tremendous amount of rewatch value. Yeah. I didn't dislike it. I I had fun with it. Yeah, I didn't hate it as much as uh, a lot of other people did. I thought yeah. it was... It was fine. It was... It was... Pe- it, it was... Uh, it was moderately good. I, enjo- I got a moderate level of diversion from it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have... That's the thing with uh with Jurassic World, it falls into the uh, uh you know, honestly the the large like the widest swath of films that I see are ones that I just don't really have any strong feelings about. Where like I didn't like it or hate it. Mediocre. Yeah, it yeah, it was fine. Like I had fun, but I have no real uh you know desire to ever see it again. I really have no desire to ride a roller coaster based off of it. Uh, no, the the Velocicoaster looks fucking sick. <laughs> Based on what I've seen from it, it looks fucking sick. I've seen nothing of it. Uh, Just that I'm not very interested in the property that it's based on. 
I mean, it's a, at the end of the day, it's a roller coaster. The theming doesn't matter all that much. Well, I thought the whole point was that it was a thema coaster, like what they did with the Hagrid's motorbike, whatever. Would if you've never seen a Harry Potter movie or read a Harry Potter book, would the Hagrid's uh, Hagrid ride be any less fun? Probably, since I don't know what the fuck I wouldn't know what the fucking devil snare is or why there's a three-headed dog. I'd just be like, mm. what the fuck is happening? Yeah. I mean, I I I think it would still be fun regardless. Yeah. Um. Or yeah, like the like the Transformers ride. I I I actively do not like the Transformers movies, but I still go on the ride because it's fun. Yeah, all right, fair enough. But I also have like a basic understanding of what the Transformers are. Yeah, I don't know what an AllSpark is or why it is the MacGuffin, but uh, for reasons. I mean, they're stupid, but they're they're reasons. I mean, you can only expect so much off of a shitty film series based off of a toy line from the nineteen eighties. Yeah. Yeah, are we finally done with oh, Mike? No, but uh, counterpoint, uh, the rock and roller coaster. Oh, like I know, I know you don't like Aerosmith. Yeah, I, I was, I was thinking for a second because I thought you were referring to the Rip Ride Rocket, oh. a legitimately awful ride. Yeah, it's a bad roller coaster. <laughs> like I don't know it. Like I, I would guess offhand that about like sixty percent of that ride is just brake stations. Yeah, it's fucking dog shit yeah but the rock and roller coaster starring aerosmith i don't even like the rock and roller coaster that much though really yeah i think it's fun um i think uh the incredit coaster blows it out the fucking water well yeah the incredit coaster is much better but i still think the rock and roller coaster is fun yeah if i was if i was comparing um the rock and roller coaster against all of the roller coasters i've been on in florida um yeah it's worse than most of the bush gardens <laughs> roller coasters yeah, prob- probably, but, you know, those are also good. Like, you know, I still enjoy those as well, so. Yeah, but it's, like, not even one of the good Bush Gardens roller coasters. It's, like, on the same level as, like, the Scorpion. Yeah, I wouldn't say that, because th- that launch is genuinely, like, accelerating. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's that's all it has. Well, yeah, but, yeah. The actual it has a launch, but the actual roller coaster itself is kind of boring. Yeah, I mean, once it goes through the launch, uh, the Hulk also has a launch, and then it has a whole roller coaster attached to it. Yeah, but the latter half of the Hulk isn't really that exciting either. That's more exciting than aer- than a rock and roller coaster. Eh. That that roller coaster at least has an ass on it. <laughs> <laughs> How did we get on that topic again? Uh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, uh, like you—you're you, you making a point how you don't have to enjoy a property to enjoy a ride based on a property. Yeah, yeah. I—I I still stand by that. I mean, I suppose you're partially correct, but you know, wait, what were you? With? Oh, Jurassic uh, World. Like, yeah, Jurassic World. Yeah. Um, I also haven't seen anything of the new roller coaster, as I said. So, all I know, all I have to reference is a kind of mediocre movie yeah well i mean it looks like a really really fantastic roller coaster so mm. suppose we'll see yeah now i'm thinking what would be objectively terrible but also excellent poles to make into halloween horror nights houses what What was that what would be like the best worst poles to uh to make into halloween horror nights houses 
Uh, can you can you elaborate? Like the best worst polls. Like uh, a property that shouldn't work for a haunted house, but you could do something interesting with it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking. Uh, well, obviously, licensing would have to be no object, but I'm thinking the skeleton dance. Hmm. The silly symphony. Yes. The, okay. The first Walt Disney Oob Iwerks uh, cartoon. Okay, hence, I could hence hence why I said uh, licensing would have to be no object. Yeah, I could. It's a it's a really weird con. It's an ambitious idea, but I could see it working. Yeah, it's like you could do a lot with like stark minimalism. Like that that was an excellent house. Was the uh, the horror the 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 Universal Monsters house, where like everything was black and like the outlines of objects were just like painted with fluorescent paint. And that's the only way you could understand your surroundings. You could do something very similar to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And then just the monsters are just like glow, like kind of glowy skeletons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Honestly, um, since uh, overseas in, I think, Hong Kong, Disney does uh, uh, haunted houses as part of their Mickey's not so scary Halloween jamboree. What the fuck ever. That is a concept that they should probably execute. Yeah. Again, mouse hire us. Yeah, mouse hire us. Since uh A, it's a product you own, and B, you could you know, it's inherently uh child friendly since it's just some spooky scary yeah, just, skeletons. Yeah, just some spooky scary skeletons. Yeah. I don't know. I would, I would probably have to check my uh my my shelf, but you know what one might be an interesting challenge would be uh, Sandman? Well, that that would be technically challenging, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the Neil Gaiman Sandman. Correct. Yeah, that that would be uh, ambitious, to say the least. <laughs> uh, you said challenging. Yeah, no, I just like a challenge, challenging to find a way to uh, turn it into a haunted house, not a challenge to uh, how even how even <laughs> do do you do this? <laughs> uh, I was thinking the first thing that came to my mind was arsenic and old lace. Mm. Yeah, because, like, it could be fun. Yeah. It's just how do you make it, like, into a boo haunted house? Yeah. Oh, well, there is the uh, the killer. Yeah, the, who looks the cre- like... creep, creepy Boris Karloff alike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I guess he'd be uh, the primary, uh, the boo guy, yeah. him and Peter Laurie. Yeah, just getting, it, just getting into some antics, doing some, uh, some goofs and gaffs. Yeah, all right. Yeah. It would be it, obviously it would be kind of a comedy house, so yeah, much like the picture. Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking a while back of uh, if I was going to do a horror musical, what would I adapt? Um, I was thinking House on Haunted Hill, but uh, Arsenic and Old Lace would also be a good one. Yeah, <laughs> although now um, that I think yeah. about it, Arsenic and Old Lace was already a stage play. It was a stage play before they made the movie, so yeah. You hear some, uh, you hear some rumbling behind you. Some uh, somebody, somebody charging down the stairs at you out of out of nowhere. You think it's the killer? Nope, Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> just blows his trumpet in your face. <laughs> yeah, I mean it would be silly, but I'd have fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, Halloween Horror Nights might have shook out, uh, at least partly in a different way, if Universal hadn't blown the licensing deal with dc 
Yeah. Because <laughs> when they were building uh, Islands of Adventure, Marvel wasn't their first choice. They originally courted DC, but due to a dispute over uh, merchandising sales, uh, the deal fell apart, and DC picked a real winner in Six Flags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Universal was also owned by Viacom, so they were kind of, you know, a and. You know, uh, DC is uh, owned by uh, Warner Brothers, so you know it's getting into much hairier territory in terms of like, you know, uh, media companies. Whereas Six Flags is very simple; it's just a theme park. Yeah, and at the time, Marvel wasn't owned by Disney yet, so yeah. Although, actually, I don't think uh, DC was owned by Warner at that time. No, I think they were. Oh, well, either way. Yeah. But yeah, just uh. You could do uh you could do some good uh haunted house shit with Batman. Yeah. Especially like the the vampire like the Batman vampire stories. Uh not the uh the poll I was thinking of, but yeah, that'll work. Oh shit. Um there was an animated movie a few years back called like DC Monster Gods and Monsters or something or other. Hmm. And one of the uh, yeah, it was alternate versions of Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, and they used Vampire Batman. <laughs> yeah, in his uh, introductory sequence, he kills uh, uh, violent Harley Quinn, who is just, like, a serial killer and has, like, a taxidermied family of, like, people that she flayed and taxidermied. Sounds edgy, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was edgy. Yeah, it was yeah. a DC animated yeah, get, movie. Getting real Brian Azzarello hours. <laughs> eh. She wasn't a rapist. <laughs> just a serial killer. Yeah. Plus, it's, you know, it's Elseworlds, not the main continuity. Yeah. You can do whatever the fuck you want in Elseworlds. Well, anything else? No, I think we have uh I th I think now's a good time to probably sign off. Yeah. So who are you? David. And I am Ness. This has been part two of the Halloween Horror Night ostensibly the Halloween Horror Nights memory splatter cast. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. Thank you for listening and adieu. Happy haunting.